Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at Turn it over. Now it's- Hello, this is Matthew, and I'm sorry, I'm walking right by a train right now, so I had to ha- kind of put myself on mute for a moment. You probably have heard some of the train. I'm out here getting a few extra steps in here. This is Matthew. This is Ho- This is ASD Hokey Smash on Twitter. This is the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the United States, and we are extremely excited to have a return guest on the show tonight. We have Les Johns here, and he is absolutely awesome. He covers Wake Forest as the publisher of the Demon Deacon Digest at 247 Sports, and he also has the More With Less podcast. He's a collector of digital comics, great music, and baseball cards. You can follow Les on Twitter at, at Les, that's at L-A-S underscore Johns, J-O-H-N-S. Les, welcome back, friend. And before we start, is there anything that you want to plug? I mean, you pretty much already nailed it. Uh, thank you so much for having me on again. I appreciate it. Glad to be a part of this podcast and to and to talk about football as we're, you know, I'm literally one, well, I'm about, I don't know, 10 hours away from the start of Wake Forest fall camp. They They get things started tomorrow morning. But a Demon Deacon Digest as part of the 24-7 Sports Network, you know, we'll have full coverage of fall camp. Um, we're very fortunate in terms of Dave Clawson and the staff there allows us to to see every minute of practice through all of spring and all of fall up until they get into game prep week. So, you know, I'll be on there, uh, you know, breaking down the position battles, you know, giving updates on who's, uh, you know, kind of making their move uh, up the depth chart and down the depth chart. And, uh, you know, a full analysis as we go through the, the first three weeks or so of camp. So at Demon Deacon Digest, part of 24-7 Sports Network, you nailed the Twitter handle. I'm just excited to get this thing started. I think it's going to be an entertaining season and looking forward to uh, getting it started. We are fortunate to have you on board tonight, Les. Thank you again for joining us. So let's start out with kind of some look back questions on uh, on. Let Wake Forest uh, prior sports from this year, prior sports from this year. And it's the first is we've got a two-part question for you. We'd like to get your thoughts on the finish of the 2022-2023 Wake Forest men's basketball team and your thoughts on the future there. And then obviously you're going to have a chance here to shine too. This is a, the second part of our question, but your thoughts on the 2023 Wake Forest baseball team, which did an outstanding job this year. The floor is yeah, in terms of basketball, you know, it's, it's Steve Forbes' uh, third year on paper, but actually really his second season when you don't kind of really count that COVID year that kind of got, you know, blown all asunder for a lot of other, a lot of teams, right? But uh, they made a good run. They had a lot of good wins. They got over 20 wins. Um, didn't quite have the quality wins or put together enough in the conference to kind of get over the hump to make the big dance. I kind of thought that they were a team that deserved some NIT consideration. They didn't get in there. But then, you know, during the offseason, you know, they won the transfer portal again. They've got some key additions, and they retained a lot of the key contributors from last year. 
the biggest loss probably being, uh, you know, co-ACC player of the year in Tyree Appleby. But they've got a couple of really quality candidates to run the point this season. They return Cameron Hildreth, Matthew Marsh, Andrew Carr. They've got a bevy of returners. Uh, Damari Monsanto, uh, once he comes back from, from his injury, should be a big weapon for them. And they added a bunch of guys in the transfer portal that are they're really big. So um, they, they believe they got themselves a squad. I think it's a team that will end up being nationally ranked before the season's over. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's, it's kind of time for Steve Forbes to show what he can do. And how about baseball? Because this is your t- this is this was really outstanding season for Wake Forest. Yeah, that was that was quite a ride. I mean, there was a team. There were two number one teams the entirety of the the, of the base college baseball season, and that was LSU and Wake Forest. And and I had told my readers that you know as long as the team lived up to their billing. You know, we were going to do our job at Demon Deacon Digest and and follow them, you know, to all corners of the country. And, you know, we did that. We know we made road trips to Tallahassee and Pittsburgh. Now, obviously, Durham's not that far away, but then to Louisville, back to my former home state of Kentucky, to kind of follow the Deeks and to cover, you know, these ACC road series. I mean, we covered every ACC road trip and, uh, you know, every every game at home. You know, we probably covered more than 50 college baseball games at Demon Deacon Digest this year. It was quite a road. And, of course, they hosted the Wake, the, the Winston-Salem Regional, the Winston-Salem Super Regional, uh, winning both of those and making it all the way to Omaha. And uh, quite a run. Uh, you know, they fell short, uh, falling to LSU. And one of the most memorable college baseball games I ever be at, will ever uh, attend you know, it ended up being Paul Skeens versus uh, Rhett Louder on the mound. And, and those two kids put on a show, you know, and kind of shut both teams down. And ended up being like one mistake that was the difference. And that's what set LSU, you know, to the championship series against Florida and ultimately the national championship. But uh, it's a heck of a run for the Demon Deeks. Uh, they're, they're also a team that believes that they've reloaded in the transfer portal, too, and that they believe that they're going to be good again next year, too, and can be right back in Omaha for a second straight year. So, you know, I've covered Wake Forest baseball, uh, you know, pretty in-depthly my entire time, you know, at Wake Forest, and uh, it was great to see Coach Tom Walter and that team kind of really put things together. Great responses, Les. Jeff, you're up, friend. All right, thank you, Matthew. And and I think from our side, that 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 ride that the Wake Forest baseball team was went on was was just a you know really enjoyable to see, you know, for anyone who was a fan of baseball or or a fan of you know to see an ACC team do well, it, they really, um, you know, gave LSU a run for their money. Uh, and I, I feel like okay, we'll give LSU their due. And and but I think Wake Forest was was the number two baseball team uh, in all of college baseball. Um, yeah, fantastic run by that group. Yeah, I think I think Wake Forest fans obviously would agree with that. Florida would argue of obviously, but uh, you know I think there's little doubt as to who the top three teams are in the country. But uh, yeah, Wake and LSU went toe to toe, and uh, Wake just just fell a little bit short on that. You know, even given the edge of grabbing the first win. You know they 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 lost those two straight and and didn't make it to the championship series, but it was it was a heck of a season and and they surely and another thing too that's probably underreported and never thought about is is how much Wake Forest showed up from a fan base perspective in Omaha. 
LSU had more fans in Omaha than every other program combined, right? They they completely took over Omaha. But Wake Forest was probably second. You know, Wake Forest had more fans there, I'd argue, than or at least until the championship series. I'm sure the Gators turned out, you know, for that final three games. But during during you know the pool play, you know, it was Wake Forest was probably the second, you know, strongest fan base in Omaha. And that says a lot for for a for a team, you know, that has a second, you know, the, that represents the second smallest fan base or the smallest fan base and all the power five, you know, it's the smallest, uh, smallest, uh, you know, undergrad admissions, all that kind of stuff. So Wake Forest fans surely turned out. All right. Outstanding less. Um, now we go ahead and turn our attention to the upcoming football season. Uh, what are some of the major strengths coming back for the uh, Wake Forest football team? Well, it's a team that just continues to churn out yardage and, and points on the board, and I don't think that this year really will be much of a departure from that. I think offensively, they return basically three offensive line starters. They return their starting running back. They've got a they've got a group of guys uh, behind Justice Ellison who's going to be vying for second and third team reps. The strength of the offense, though, really comes at receiver. And where they they return uh, three guys with more than 500 yards last season, they lose At Perry to the NFL, but they've got a group of guys there that's liable to go six to eight deep, interchangeable parts at receiver, and all a bunch of dangerous weapons, starting with Donovan Green and Jamal Banks at, at wideout, and then the group of Taylor Marin and Keyshawn Williams at slot, and then you go a little bit deeper. You know, it's just you got Walker Morrell, a transfer from Tennessee. And, and many more at wideout that can can sub in and out. And I think that's the strength of the team. The question for Wake Forest fans and probably folks around the nation, they'll be wondering, well, what does Wake Forest do now without Sam Hartman, you know, who, who transferred to, uh, to Notre Dame? But, um, you know, uh, when, you've got, um, when you've got Mitch Griffiths, He's not exactly like some up-and-coming guy who hasn't been on campus. He'll be going through his eighth camp at Wake Forest this, this starting tomorrow. You know, he enrolled early. He's a, he's a, he's a fourth-year sophomore. He started the season opener a year ago. A lot of experience in this system. And he's got so many weapons surrounding him that I believe he's really set up for success. So I think the strength is at wide out. And then the fact that they've got an offensive system that will just continue to churn up yardage and put put a lot of points on the board and really make defenses uh, kind of shudder week to week. All right, uh, let's uh, let's let's go on the flip side here. What are some of the major weaknesses going into the season? In other words, what do you think the Demon Deacons? We'll be working on in August before the first game. And what are the questions uh, that you think have to be resolved to have a successful season? Well, as has been the case in recent years, the biggest question marks probably come on defense for Wake Forest. While they've scored a lot of points, they've also given up a lot of points. I think that there is going to be a big positive from coaching continuity. This will be the second year with new defensive coordinator Brad Lambert along with safeties coach James Adams and linebacker coach Glenn Spencer. So I think that there's there's positives in terms of having a second year in that system and continuing to grow and develop in that system. The question marks 
defensively come at both cornerback and at the defensive tackle position. At corner, Wake has a couple quality starters in Kalen, uh, Kalen Carson and Deshaun Jones. Carson's a guy I think if he stays healthy could vie for an all ACC um, nod at corner. But the question mark there is depth. We don't really know right this moment who there is to spill those guys, and we don't know who will be number three and four should either one of those guys you know, get deemed up during the season. At defensive tackle, they brought a couple of uh, transfers in, and they both enrolled early but were both injured. So nobody, they didn't get to practice in spring camp. So we don't really know right this moment what they're going to have to offer you know, when the season kicks off on August 30th, I believe it is, against Elon, August 31st, my apologies. Um, so defensive tackle, there's Kevin Pointer, who who uh, was a second stringer last year. And then there's a bunch of question marks as to who's going to be the second, third, and fourth defensive tackle for Wake Forest. Bryce Ganius and, uh, and Nick Helbig are guys they believe are quality transfers in, but we've yet to see them do it even in, in camp yet. So, and, and hopefully we start seeing some of that tomorrow. So defensive tackle and cornerback are the biggest question marks for the defense. Uh, on defensive end, they're looking great. Returning, uh, returning Jasheen Davis, who led the team in sacks last year. Kendron Wayman's a guy on the opposite side on the end that they're really excited about. Linebacker. We've got some guys who are getting back into the fold after missing spring camp. They believe they've got some depth of linebacker. And at safety, they probably have too many guys that they're probably going to have to find creative ways to get guys like Malik Mustafa, Nick Anderson, all on the field, and uh, and Chalen Garns all on the field at the same time. So linebacker, uh, safety, and defensive end, they're probably sitting pretty good. The question is defensive tackle and cornerback and where those line out going into the season opener will cast a heavy shadow on how this season plays out. All right. Um, Les, uh, who are some of the new recruits or players uh, from the transfer portal that have impressed you the most? And are there any that you think will get some major playing time right away? Jacob Roberts, a linebacker, is one of the guys from North Carolina A&T. He came in ready, made, made ready to play, and he had a excellent spring. I'm definitely expecting him to be in the mix. Chase Jones is a team captain, returner at linebacker, but Jacob Roberts very could very well could be starting beside him at linebacker. A defensive tackle, I don't know who's going to impress me, but one of those transfer defensive tackles between Bryce Ganius and, and, uh, and Nick Helbig, they better impress starting tomorrow because at least one of them is going to be counted on probably as a starter. So we'll see tomorrow how they line out. Um, in terms of true freshmen, there's probably some opportunity for true freshmen maybe to, to get into the rotation at corner. Micah Mays, a highly regarded uh, wide receiver, four-star that they had come in as a freshman, he'll probably have an opportunity to contribute on special teams. Uh, probably won't get in the mix because of the you know at receiver because of the depth they have there. So those are some of the key guys who are new who will likely get in the mix. Jacob Roberts for shirt sure, linebacker, one or two of the defensive tackles, and then probably some of the younger guys in terms of uh, in terms of special teams. All right, um, Les, 
what are the two most important games, the two most pivotal games uh, for this season for Wake Forest? Um, give us your quick summertime um, analysis of those games, and then give us what you think Wake Forest's overall record will be. Wow, that's that's a couple tough ones, to be honest with you. Wake, um, it's one of those weird things that like Louisville, for instance, right now, I think Vegas has Louisville as a favorite in all 12 of their games. It's not the way for Wake Forest because Wake has a fairly arduous schedule ahead of them. They 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 face Clemson on the road. They get Florida State at home. They knocked the Seminoles off last year in Tallahassee, and that's a team that really improved through the season. Will likely be one of the two favorites in the conference when the, when the when the preseason rankings are are delivered tomorrow to us all. And then Wake, the next to last game of the season, plays Notre Dame in South Bend. So there's three extremely tough games on the schedule. Those probably aren't the pivotal games. The games that Wake probably needs to, to notch wins to have a great season are probably games at home against Pittsburgh, uh, perhaps at Duke, where, uh, kind of a revenge game from, from losing one there last year, and then maybe NC State at home on November 11th. That's probably the biggest uh, you know, swing game of all, with two teams that probably will be slated to finish towards the middle of the pack in the conference. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd say Pittsburgh – and, and and North Carolina State, both of them at home, are, are massive games for Wake Forest on the schedule. And then probably, you know, like Virginia Tech or Duke on the Duke and Virginia Tech on the road. Those are three or four of the biggest, uh, toughest, you know, pivotal games. If you if you're Wake Forest and you want to get to eight or nine wins, those are games that you're gonna have to gonna have to nail down. Where do I think where do I think they're gonna lie? I've told my readers that right now, before seeing fall camp, my preseason prediction for Wake Forest is probably like a seven and five season. I think the schedule lays out much more uh, positively for them in 2024, and they should return uh, the bulk of their key contributors this season. So I think 24 has the opportunity to be a special season for Wake Forest. I think this is a year in which they're likely, once again, to be in a lot of one-score games. And if they can come out on top of those one-score games, unlike last season, then maybe they have a chance to pop up there to eight or nine wins. But it's going to be a real tough uh, tough road. Right now, I've got them at seven and five, pending seeing how fall camp plays out. All right. Thank you there, Les. Um, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you for the last couple questions in the podcast. Thank you, Jeff. So, Les, I mean, yes. people have to be really, really happy for the most part with Dave Clawson, I would think. But I want to get your pulse on what the fans' take is on Dave Clawson because he's had, he's had some good seasons. He's had some pretty consistent teams. You kind of know what you're getting in week out and wake with him you perhaps have you know he's ran a model for several years where he values the red shirt then he gets experienced players just like you've been saying throughout the podcast or alluding to it but i want to get your take here at last yeah i mean i think generally speaking the overall tone and tenor of the fan base is overwhelmingly positive wake forest have made has made seven straight postseason bowl games that's a program record 
You know, the obviously the in 2021, the team won the ACC Atlantic, you know, and fell short to Pittsburgh in the ACC championship game. They did enter the 2022 season with a lot of heavy expectations and they fell short, you know, those expectations largely because they could not close in really close contests, including that double overtime home loss to Clemson early in the season. You know, Dave Clawson made mention of this, you know, to when I interviewed him in the spring, and then he mentioned it again, you know, uh, at, at ACC uh, kickoff just the other day. You know, three games last season, Wake Forest had the ball with a chance to win the game with a two-minute, uh, with a successful two-minute drill, and they went 0 for 3 in those games, weren't able to finish it off. And that's something that in the past they've been able to do. You know, they finished 1-3 in, in one-score games over the last seven years, they're second in the ACC and winning at one score games. So to fall short in those close contests, you know, really made the difference between Wake Forest, you know, having the type of season that everybody expected to finish in, you know, eight and five overall, right? So um, once again, I think there's going to be, you know, those those lines share of one score games, and it's how Wake Forest performs, you know, both in terms of creating turnovers, getting off the field on third down defensively you know, eliminating explosive plays, but then also executing on two-minute drills down the stretch to kind of finish games off and and, and, and get, get those crucial wins. That's going to be the difference between finishing, you know, six and six or something like, you know, eight and four or nine and three, especially when you consider those three, you know, big-time kind of ominous games on the schedule, you know, at, at Clemson. Florida State and Winston-Salem, and then that South Bend against the Fighting Irish. You know, um, when you consider those three games, you know, you've got to come come away with close wins and some of these other ones to kind of have the season you want to have. Well said, Les. Well said. Les, open microphone time. The floor is yours. <laughs> well, thank, once again, just thanks for having me on. It's been uh, – it was a heck of a season covering Wake Forest athletics. You know, basketball's on the rise. The baseball team had a had a banner season. You know, Wake Forest football went to a seven straight bowl game. You know, if you even look at some of the non-revenue generating sports, ACC women's golf won a national championship. So there's a lot of optimism. There's a lot of growth in the program across the board. And Wake Forest fans are are pretty engaged right now. You know, we're at, we're at a record size on our site at Demon Deacon Digest. And, you know, we're hopeful that, you know, as, as the teams continue to produce, you know, we'll continue to to have a lot of readers and a lot of subscribers. And, and you know, everybody just has a good time together. So I just want to thank you all for having me on and and for giving, uh, giving Wake Forest a chance to, to talk about their programs, about what they've got going on. Thank you, Les. Thank you, Les. Jeff, I'm going to use my open microphone to ask, do you like I have? with Greg Swaim, the dude of West Virginia, uh, a swimming blog guy and Big Ten land grant blog guy on college football realignment, Jeff. And then I'll and then you can take your uh, that's my question for you, Jeff. And then you can take the open mic. I, I, didn't, I didn't catch the very beginning of that, I, uh, Matthew. I, I mean, I heard you mention. I said, swim, I, said, I, said, I said, I said, would you like to have a college football riot realignment podcast show episode with with um greg swaim with the dude of west virginia with with a swimming blog guy and with big 10 land grant uh big 10 land grant blog regarding college football realignment i'm wondering if you would like to have that as a show 
I'll oh, turn that, that over to you with your. <laughs> I'll turn that question over that to you, is. and then you can have your land. Mic. You you can have your your open mic. Yeah, by the, that would be a barrel of laughs there. By the end of that end of that show, they'll have the the grant of rights costing schools that want to leave, uh, you know, a dollar fifty and. <laughs> <laughs> the big the big 12 making more money than the sec in five years so that, that that'd be a that'd be entertaining <laughs> we'll just say that <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead jeff the floor is yours take your yeah i you know i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of stay on that theme uh with the realignment and i'm not getting into all the possibilities and and, and back and forth but th this is like an absolute pet peeve of mine whenever any actual news happens which is you know about once or twice um uh, well at the rate we're going once or twice a year but you know whenever anything actually happens the two weeks after that are just like insufferable on twitter every single rumor comes out of the woodwork and the scary thing is you know like you said matthew i mean we got Last year, we had a swim blog. A swim blog was getting nationally cited, you know, as a as a source and was causing all this, you know, hysteria. And and now this week, and um, someone's saying they've got this story from something called Scoop City that says Clemson, Florida State, Oregon, and Washington will be accepting big, you know, Big Ten invites and. The, the, the rumor mill's got all kinds of 150 scenarios, and it's it's always like the worst. The first couple weeks after something happens, I mean, I mean, you got people on Twitter, you know, you know, lawyers have been trying to figure out this grant of rights for, you know, two two and a half years, and you've got people on there. Well, if you just do X, Y, and Z, no problem, it's broken. We can, you know, let out the you know, break out and do whatever we want. It, it, it's it's annoying, but also pretty funny at the same time. They get their <laughs> medical advice from Twitter too, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is kind of one of those, uh, you, you'll you believe anything you want to believe at this point. If, if that if that's the agenda that you want to believe, you'll, you'll find someone saying it. That's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Well... Les, thank you so much for joining us on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you on talking about Wake Forest athletics, baseball, football, men's basketball, and we would love to have you come on the show again some other time. Thanks for joining us, Les. We really appreciate it. Glad to be on, guys. Thanks a lot.